Welcome to SEC Fan Talk episode four and week one of SEC play anyway. We thank you for tuning in. Big, big week for the SEC. Is everything that we expected. A lot of excitement. Of course, the victories that we anticipated and some of the defeats that we did not all coming ahead on week one of SEC Fan Talk. So we're going to go through this episode and talk about some ranking changes, dabble on uh, through each of the games, highlights, lowlights, scores, stats. And you know, the the funny thing about this one, Luke, is we have to try to fit in to 30 minutes or so what sports talk shows get to spend three hours on. Our goal is not to have you sitting here listening to us for three hours, just a, a quick uh, bit of information on uh, on your way to the gym or at the gym. Keep it simple, keep it to the point, and get you the information that you need. Let's start off with a little bit of ranking, shall we? Absolutely. So the ranking's out uh, a little early, and as we expect Alabama to stay at number two, uh, of course, this uh, this past game for them, which, of course, we'll get into all of the uh, the plays and, and stats. But um, it was just a warm-up game for them, get them ready for next week. A big one is Florida moves from number five to number three with Kyle Trask lighting it on fire. Georgia, somehow, Luke stays at number four. That's, um, that's a weird one. When, when you go into half and you're uh, down by two, um, against an opponent that we, you know, <laughs> they shouldn't have had any trouble with. We knew that Georgia had questions at quarterback and, and of course, other, you know, COVID-related um, absence. But for them to stay at four after that performance, I don't know that I agree with it. Auburn moves from number eight to number seven. Texas A&M uh, goes down to 13 from 10. Mississippi State enters the top 25 and takes the 16th spot, which they definitely, definitely deserve. LSU expectantly dropped down to 20 from 6 after the Mississippi State bashing. Tennessee drops to 21 from 16 despite the win and a little better performance than Texas a and I'm not quite sure how... Uh, some of these guys are voting for like Georgia to stay at four, but Tennessee to drop. Now, granted, it didn't look pretty, and if it wasn't for the pick six um, from Henry To'o To'o, you know, the score wouldn't have been what it was. So, I, you know, I get maybe holding or maybe dropping one or two, but dropping down to 21 seems a bit much. And Kentucky certainly deserved to drop off the top 25. Now we finish up the rankings, we'll go straight into gameplay. First off, with Alabama and Missouri. So we expected this, right, Luke? Yeah, I mean, there there was no question uh, about the Alabama-Missouri game. Um, It it was exactly what I kind of expected. Um, You know, uh, this this game was never in doubt. And, um, you know, Alabama, they – like so many of these other teams this past Saturday, the biggest challenge is going to be keeping 
your offense in sync. Um, these guys had almost zero uh, practice time leading up to the season. And so, you know, it's going to be an issue. Uh, they're really going to have to knock some cobwebs off. Um, and really, uh, it's going to take all these SEC teams, seemingly seemingly all of them, maybe with a few exceptions, that it's going to take a game or two for everybody to really have their offenses hit in stride. And you can kind of tell Alabama was that way with Mac Jones. Um you know, he still had a great game, threw for 250 yards. But at the same time, look to see Alabama be putting up a lot more points than that as the season goes on. But yeah, uh, Missouri, they they did all they could against a, a clearly, clearly better Alabama team. But as to score 19 points against Alabama's defense, and, you know, they only gave up 38 regardless of how long they kept their starters in, you know, it could have been a lot worse for Missouri. But they at least kept it somewhat respectable. Final score on that ending, 38-19. to 19, Alabama putting up 414 yards of total offense. With Missouri, actually, 322 is a little bit more than what I would have expected. Yeah, it's not uh, Alabama had one. Yeah, Alabama had one uh, fumble for a turnover, while Missouri had three and lost two of those. The uh, penalties is what Nick Saban is probably screaming at his team. Seven penalties for forty-nine yards. The seven penalties alone gets under Saban's skin, while oh, Missouri yeah. only had three penalties for twenty yards. You know you're doing well when they pull Mac Jones out, who was 18 for 24 in the third quarter. They swap it over to Bryce Young, who went five for eight, uh, just to you know get get the next guy in line some reps with uh, with the team. Exactly how we anticipated it playing out, and uh, look forward to seeing Alabama's next week game. We'll move on now to the. Big, big upset of the week. Uh, Certainly one that I would have uh, lost some money on. (laughs) Mississippi State and LSU. Oh, wow. What a game. I mean, you know, we we knew Mike Leach was going to show something new going down to Mississippi State. Uh, But my goodness, Costello, I mean, a kid that, Nobody had really heard of. Um, you know, a lot of people thought Garrett Schrader was going to end up starting this season. But, you know, all of a sudden here comes Costello, and he's got that perfect build and perfect passing motions that, that Leach just absolutely loves. He doesn't he's, – he's not looking to throw big, long bombs all the time. So the arm strength of the quarterback – you know, he, he's more focused on this intermittent passing game and just constantly moving the ball down the field. And Costello came in, and he's just another one of the long line of quarterbacks that Leach has coached that take them from almost obscurity to a, a, a quarterback that looks like he could win the Heisman Trophy this year. It, it was just mind-boggling to me. I, I thought Mississippi State was going to keep this game close, 
I had I had thought that it would be within seven points, but I thought LSU was going to have the talent to to pull it out in the end. But you know, Mississippi State just came out, and I think the biggest the the biggest thing I took away from this, Brandon, was the fact that Mississippi State got in a position late in the fourth quarter against LSU, um, where um, they threw. Um, a pick six where Costello threw a pick six late in the fourth quarter. And I believe that it tied the game up and, you know, instead of getting down on themselves, you know, they just came back and, you know, they just never gave up when uh, all indication and history would make you think that Mississippi state, once they relinquished that lead that that late in the game, that the game was going to be over but they didn't. They just kept fighting, and you know, they they showed LSU's big deficiencies. And um, some people thought that LSU was just going to be like Alabama, and you know, they had all these five star players sitting on the bench, uh, just ready to go in after they lost, I think, fourteen players to the draft. Um, and LSU is just not Alabama, even if you would have taken. Alabama at their height, you know, losing 14 players to the draft, you're going to have some fall off. But LSU, they've got some big, big problems moving forward. And, you know, I thought at the beginning of the year that they would, you know, they would win, you know, may, I thought they would win eight games. But, you know, if, if things don't get better in Baton Rouge in a hurry, they could be looking at, maybe just six wins this season. But we'll see. I don't know what you think about it. Final score on that, 44-34. to 34. Passing yards, unbelievable. Okay, <laughs> talk about an unbalanced game. LSU was definitely able to stop the run because Mississippi State only had a total of 16 attempts with nine net yards, while passing yards was 623 the longest being a 75-yard bomb to Kylan Hill, who which had 158 receiving yards, Mitchell with 183, and Peyton with 122. Three receivers with over 100 yards, uh, Mitchell with almost 200. Absolutely insane. Now, Mississippi State did turn the ball over four times to give LSU that many chances and still pull out with 10 points. Crazy. Oh, I know. LSU is very fortunate that they did have four turnovers because this game could have been very ugly. And, um, and, and yeah, I, I don't think it's ever happened before where you had three Mississippi State receivers finish a game with over 100 yards. Um, they, they didn't – I don't believe they ever did it during Mullen's tenure there. So, you know, that just shows that they were spreading the ball all over the field um, and just, you know, able to just move the ball at will against LSU's defense. Let's move on to the next game being Georgia and Arkansas. This is one, okay, Georgia, they pulled it back around. You know, we'll, we'll give them that. They, they end up 37-10. to 10. Um, First half – Absolutely, absolutely ugly. Oh yeah, 
Yeah, it it was it was worse than ugly. Um, you know, I I knew that Georgia was going to have a um, they were going to have some issues uh, getting their footing under them on their offensive side of the ball just because of what they lost. You know, but but Georgia Georgia unlike LSU does have a lot more five star talent sitting in the on the bench waiting to go in. Definitely has more than LSU. So Georgia's, they've got the talent to be able to put up a respectable amount of points. Um, But they're going to have issues if they don't get their quarterback situation under control. They're going to have some problems uh, as the season goes on because, like you said, I mean, this game was within two points at halftime. Give credit to um, Bennett. You know, he came out there and, you know, the kid, I think he was their third-string quarterback. He came out and throws for 211 yards, really kind of stepped up. And But but Georgia Georgia's going to have some issues because if they – if it took them that long to start to catch fire offensively against Arkansas, they're going to have some issues. And – um, I know Arkansas, I know Franks threw at least one interception for a touchdown. So there were seven points that came um, uh, that Georgia's defense has scored. So, uh, yeah, I've, really, I mean, the score was kind of what I thought it would be. But honestly, Georgia has more questions than they do answers at this point, at least when it comes offensively. Rolling down the the stats here, you have Georgia with 387 total yards of offense. Not horrible, um, 280 coming from Arkansas. The penalties are are a big one, Luke. 12 penalties from Georgia for 108 yards. Tell me Kirby Smart is not just (laughs) – you know, when you come from Saban, maybe you pick up some of his – some of his hatreds and one of them is penalties. That's a lot of yardage. You know that oh, teams yeah. are punting a lot when both teams um, seven punts for Georgia, eight for Arkansas, both of them in that 349, 369 respectively. Lots of punts. Yeah, I had no idea. I knew Georgia did have some um, some some stupid penalties in that game, but I had no idea that they had that many penalty yards. Kirby's not going to let that uh, let that continue to happen. Um, so, uh, yeah, I would hate to be a a Georgia player um, in on practice on Monday. That's for sure. So moving on to the next one, we we kind of bouncing back and forth between exciting games to disappointing games. One game that we knew, um, we we both picked the the winner of it and and were correct, but I did not expect the final score to end up fifty one to thirty five, and I'm talking about Florida and Ole Miss. Yeah, what both of them with uh, over six hundred yards of offense. You know, if you're Florida, great. You put up 641 yards of offense. How do you allow 613 yards to come back back on you and still win um, with that kind of success? Yeah, I mean, Florida, They going into the game, they already had four of their starting defensive players 
that were out. Um, they didn't say that if it was COVID related or what it was from, but they had four starters that were missing on their defensive side of the ball. In the very first series of, of, of downs that Ole Miss has the ball, Sean Davis gets hit with a penalty, uh, targeting penalty, automatically getting him ejected from the game, which put our third string safety um, out there all alone. Um, and, Lane Kiffin took advantage of that, um, but but the general consensus from Florida's defense is they they're pretty embarrassed about the performance that they uh, that they showed, and um, that's uh, it's definitely going to be a focal point moving forward. Yeah, but the the offense, you know, I tell you if if Trask can keep this up. And if the guy, if they can stay healthy, their defense might not have to get that much better. I was, I watched the game from, from start to finish every play. And it seemed like Florida could just score at will against Ole Miss. Like it, you know, it looked like in the first half, especially that they were trying out new things. Um, didn't want to show all their cards, um, especially against an Ole Miss team that they knew they were going to beat regardless. But, you know, it's like whenever Ole Miss would score a touchdown and get the game a little bit closer, Florida would just go right back down the field and answer with an 11, 11 play drive that took seven minutes. And so, so scoring, I mean, I knew the offense was, was going to be great this year, but, Florida's offense looks, you know, them and Mississippi State, I think they're the two best-looking offenses so far this season. They but, most uh, certainly were, and Kyle Trask going 30 for 42, uh, 416 yards himself uh, passing his longest 71 to the man that's listed as a tight end, but I'm not quite so sure that he should be listed as a tight end they say he could step in and play it he can play wide receiver he kind of sounds like he can play whatever you want with the glue that's stuck to his gloves Kyle Pitts had eight receptions for 170 yards yeah the guy is just a monster I mean I mean he he doesn't drop balls he is just an absolute matchup nightmare for defenses because you know he he can he's also good um, at, at uh, pass blocking and run blocking, but you know when you get him uh, get get him out vertical down the field. I mean they got six six two hundred and thirty pounds, so you know it doesn't matter who's guarding him. Um, I mean, if he goes up against a smaller corner or, you know, nickelback, I mean, they're just going to throw the ball over their head and he's just going to jump up and catch it. And he's got deceptively fast speed. So, I mean, the kid is just, he's unreal. Um, the the two Kyles at Florida are, are looking to have a big season this year. Well, congratulations to Florida. Looking great. Moving up from five to number three, they are definitely going to be the team to beat in the East this year. Another game that, you know, started out together. I mean, it was a close matchup uh, ending off 13 to 29. That's Kentucky and Auburn. And, you know, they were they were within 
two here and there, just tightly played game. Uh, third quarter, Wilson just hands the ball. I mean, literally just looks like he just said, whoop, here you go. Hands the ball over. That pretty much sealed the deal. Auburn took it from there. Uh, Kentucky's any any type of, of forward motivation that they have was just shot at that point. Yeah, yeah, that was a uh, – it was – Wilson did go 24 for 37, 239 yards. Yeah, uh, you know, Terry Wilson, you Sorry, could tell that, that you could tell that Wilson was was uh rusty. You know, he missed so much last season, so he he was rusty coming out of the gate. But at the same time, you know, he showed flashes of the old Terry Wilson. I think it's not a horrible loss for Kentucky and um keeping an eye their eyes downfield you know for the remainder of the season i think kentucky's actually going to be all right um terry wilson just needs to get back in the rhythm of things and you know auburn they kept it close with auburn all until you know the fourth quarter where kentucky uh, just couldn't muster any offense um the guy with the best name in uh college football cavassier smoke um he showed flashes um of a big time playmaker that he can be, even though he only finished with 62 yards. But, uh, but yeah, Kentucky, I thought did a, I think they played better than what the score indicates. And, um, you know, they were playing at Auburn. Uh, they most certainly did. Most certainly. Yeah. When you compare the total offense, Kentucky had 384 total yards of offense. Auburn only had 324. Kentucky runs 78 plays to Auburn's 57 plays. Um, you know, it, it just seems like they just they just couldn't get into the end zone uh, was was the only problem. Yeah, it really was. It was definitely their, their biggest, biggest problem. Um, they had a few times where they shut themselves in the foot unnecessarily. Um, on some series, they come out and they look like they can score on any team in the country. And then they'll go – two or three more series where it's like, it's almost like they're just like closing their eyes in and picking a play that they're going to run each time. It just, to me, it makes, there's like no rhyme or reason to the way that that offense runs. And it's like, uh, you know, that's always been my criticism of Malzahn. Um, but, you know, if, if he keeps winning, no matter how ugly the games are, you know, he'll be fine. Our next matchup contains, you know, a team that everyone writes off every year for football. But could they be the underdog that uh, gives everyone a little bit more um, than, than what we'd hope for or what we expect? I'm sorry. And then the other team, Texas A&M, you know, did we um, – did we miss something? Did we evaluate them too highly? There in the preseason, we're talking about someone that may compete uh, to be able to play against Alabama, and here they can't even put down Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's quarterback, uh, Ken Seals, threw 20 for 29 with two interceptions, wow. uh, 150 yards for his long. Yeah, I mean, they had um, – 150 yards in receiving and 105 yards in rushing for that game to end up 17 to 12 
Um, it, it's just I expected way, way more from the Aggies. Yeah, I, I mean, I was. I think everybody was was absolutely shocked by that by that score. A um, and M just. I I don't know. I don't know what you can say about them. But they're lucky that they were playing Vanderbilt because with with what four turnovers, I know that they fumbled. They put the ball on the ground five times during that game. They lost three of them. Uh, you know, if, if you put the ball on the ground, uh, you have three turnovers in a game. More than likely, you're not going to win. And you know, of all the teams that looked like they were the rustiest coming out of the gate, it had to have been A and M. Um, they just could not get anything going, and that was at home against Vanderbilt. Now Vanderbilt might end up turning out to be a better team than than what everybody thinks this year. We'll see. But Texas A and M, I mean that. That is a shocking score, to say the least, from AM, who had such high expectations coming into the beginning of the season. Yes, that is correct. And and I believe uh, we'll be moving on here to the last one. Yeah, the last game is Tennessee 31 to South Carolina 27. You know, we, we both picked Tennessee to walk away with the win. And this one, other than last year, this has always been – a one possession game. This is the first time for for Pruitt to um, to beat Muschamp back to back years. His course last year and this year, but prior to that, he he his first year he did not. And Butch Jones just couldn't find a way to beat um, Muschamp. You know, it it uh, if it wasn't for the defense, offense was ugly. Uh, Garantano was constantly constantly missing his receivers, throwing too hard behind them, throwing over their heads. Uh, the defense is what saved this game. Uh, spe- really bad special teams botched right in the beginning. <laughs> um, you know, it, it 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 didn't look very good offensively. It didn't look good for special teams until you know laying on the punt at the end of the game. They had uh, Tennessee had three hundred and ninety four total yards of offense, but you know just just get down in the red zone and having problems and and Samagli is having to kick uh way too many field goals. Uh South Carolina had 379 total uh yards of offense. The um third down conversions for Tennessee, 1 for 12, Luke, 1 wow. for 12. Wow. That is that's shocking. And I don't know I don't know what it is about about every team that plays South Carolina. I just I don't understand. Every team that plays them just looks sloppy against them. And South Carolina won't look really any better. Um you know their defense is is seems to, you know, always be better than their offense, but it's like every team that plays South Carolina looks terrible. Um and I don't know what that is. About I loved them. hearing Taylor Zarzer and and uh, Brent Stitch. Um, you know, South Carolina had the graduate tran- transfer from the West Coast come in as their quarterback, and he learned really quick that uh, the SEC is quite different. It's not just a, a high-scoring offensive game. 
Uh, it is, you better watch your back. You've got three seconds every play before you're, someone's going to be on your tail. And he, yep. he learned the hard way <laughs> that that is what's coming at him all season. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You got that right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was a solid win. I think you and I both knew that it was going to be a hard fought game for Tennessee and, you know, we both picked them to come out on top, and I know that you're definitely happy about starting the season out 1-0. and Yeah, uh, for Tennessee, they, it's their longest uh, SEC win streak uh, with seven. So they, they're looking looking the part, carrying over from last year. They have a lot to work on. Hey, for the people that they were missing, they stepped in, did good. They played, I think, five or six different freshmen got to play. Um, and then be looking for uh, Brandon Johnson to take over the Callaway position from last year because that man had some hands on him yes, he did. grabbing some sideline passes. Yeah, he had a great game, great game, huge catches. In a non-SEC um, topic here, but one that will affect the playoffs, Oklahoma did exactly what you thought was going to happen. Maybe not so much lose the game like that, but no defense. Absolutely no defense. They lose. uh, They lose to Kansas. You know, if if I'm a college football playoff committee person, they're done. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, there is. There's no way that you can even remotely and with a straight face even hint at the fact that Oklahoma, regardless, I don't care if they blow every team out for the rest of the season by 30 points. It doesn't matter. I mean, Kansas State, they had, what was it? It was like 12 defensive players that were were sitting out the game but through contact tracing and other reasons. I mean, they were playing wide receivers at corner and Oklahoma still got beat. I mean, there is just no excuse in that whatsoever. And so, yeah, I'm with you, Oklahoma. I don't care what they do for the entire rest of the season. There is no excuse for them to lose to K-State, which they were, I believe, uh, 18-point favorite in that game, I believe. There's no excuse whatsoever. Spencer Radler did not do bad. I mean, he. we always said that, um, you know, they have a plug-and-play system with their quarterback over there. Radler looked pretty good. Um, too young, I mean, he, he threw too many interceptions, and your young uh, tran- uh, transfer quarterback is not going to save a game for you and – you know, as we've said, they don't have the defense to save a game either. No, no. And if you're a rattler, you, you, yeah, you can't, you can't throw interceptions like that. And who knows? Maybe if Lincoln Riley would have had the entire offseason um, to get Rattler acclimated to that style of offense, maybe it would be a different story. But. Uh, Oklahoma is no different than every other team in the country right now. They were all at a huge disadvantage um, with their lack of being able to prepare um, leading up to the season because of uh, of all the um, COVID talk. So, um, you know, 
who knows? I mean, I, I expect Lincoln Riley and I expect Oklahoma to turn it around and they're going to look probably phenomenal in their next three or four games. And they're going to try to make people forget about this embarrassing loss to K-State. But there's no way that the playoff committee is going to forget about that debacle that happened on Saturday. To quote a show on ESPNU, Sirius XM, with Chris Childers and coach Rick Neuheisel, it finally feels like college football, and that's because of the start of the SEC. It was an exciting week. They did not let us down. Ups and downs all over the place. We'll come at you Friday with this week's lineup, our picks, and the news that is most definitely going to be happening throughout the week. Um, More players that will have to be quarantined, some coming off quarantine, if the anticipated uh, AP polls that we talked about in the beginning actually happen. Yeah, looking forward to it next uh, or this later on in the week. Uh, taking a look at uh, the matchups coming up, and yeah, I'm like you though. I mean, it, it really does feel like college football is actually back now that we have conference football going on. Um, it, it, I think I told you earlier that watching the other games leading up to the SEC start. It was like watching NFL preseason games where, you know, nobody really cares, but I'll watch it because it's football. Um, uh, but, yeah, now that now the conference play has started back, you know, it, we're in full tilt now, and I just cannot wait to see what the rest of the season holds. It's going to uh, definitely going to be fun. Then, of course, the Big Ten coming in uh, October 23rd, and now the Pac-12 coming in around Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah uh how you like that i mean isn't that convenient we we say we're not going to talk politics but isn't it awfully convenient that you have all these west coast schools they're just so happened they're going to start the saturday after the election uh i just thought that was comical <laughs> 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 most certainly Guys, we want to thank you for tuning in to another episode of SEC Fan Talk. Remember to follow us on Twitter, SEC Fan Talk, or at SEC Fan Talk, or check us out online, secfantalk.com. Weigh in, sign up to be a guest host. We thank you very much. See you at the end of the week. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. 
Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.